Welcome to the 25th episode of Season 2 of the Indo Techno Podcast. Salamata Tangsumunya. I'm Alan Hallowell, founder of tech consultancy Gizmo Advisors and venture partner at Alpha JWC Ventures. Now, one thread of analysis that has run through much of the Indo Techno Podcast has been the extent to which the business plans that our guests have built have succeeded in other markets, whether China, the US, or elsewhere. And on the other hand, the degree to which the offerings are really exclusive to Indonesia, a product of the unique needs and characteristics of the market itself. The e-commerce segment has a rich mix of both strategies that have worked in other environments and features and functions that can only be found in Indonesia. Today's guest, Stephen Wangsarejo, is CEO and co-founder of fast-growing social commerce platform, Super. We look forward to examining Super's success, both through this lens and across other subjects today. Thanks for joining, Stephen. Hi, Alan. Thank you for your time and thank you for having me at Indo Techno. You're very welcome. Let's take it from the top. Can you explain for first-timers in the audience what Super does? Sure. Super is a social commerce group by serving the second and third tier cities and Indonesia rural areas. We mainly do three things. First of all, we are empowering community leaders in the rural markets to become self-made entrepreneurs by selling various goods to their communities. Second of all, we facilitate them to use our app to chit and chat with their friends, aggregating the demand of their neighborhoods. Lastly, building hyperlocal supply chain as the backbone of the company. Now, Stephen, Super is often referred to as the quote-unquote Pinduoduo of Indonesia. That evokes a lot to those of us who know Chinese e-commerce. What exactly is meant by that? Sure. It means basically we would like to become the first and the biggest social commerce platform in Indonesia, like Pinduoduo is in China. So we do learn a lot from Pinduoduo, from the group buying aspect. That's why it makes our supply chain very efficient. But we also adopt and adapt the Indonesian's market. In our form, we do have this agents model where our agents act like a catalyst to aggregate the demand of the community. So the thinking and the rationale came from Gojek. Early in the day, Gojek may making Uber business, but they adapt to Indonesia's market through motorcycle. And I think because they made such decisions, they're now as big as now. So the reason why we say Pinduoduo of Indonesia is that we would like to become the social commerce platform of Indonesia that is made by Indonesians in the Indonesian's model itself. Fantastic. That's very helpful. Let's continue to peel the onion here. Can you now describe Super in terms of where we sit amongst all the forms of e-commerce that there are in Indonesia, from the large e-commerce marketplaces to the social commerce apps that exist in our space? In Indonesia, there are two generations of commerce. The first generation of commerce is like Taobao model, C2C like business, where everything is done online. Out of those four e-commerce juggernauts in Indonesia, billions of USD have been poured to their balance sheet and 10 years plus they have been operating in the market. They could only capture five up to 10% out of Indonesia's offline retail global addressable market. So this offline market has a huge potential. Therefore, the second generation of e-commerce is born. And now the next year sector 
and hotel sector in Indonesia is social commerce. In this social commerce itself, there are three types. The first is the influencers model, where the influencers will have that blog and flock to basically market their product and their followers will eventually purchase the product from their blog. The second is like the VDD model, where everything is done online. So you can see your neighbor's order in the same group online. The third one is the O2O, where Super is sitting right now. It's the agent-based model. As I've mentioned before, the agents will catalyst of their communities to aggregate the demand of the group buying. And in the competitive landscape, our main focus is the second tier, third tier cities and Indonesia rural areas. In fact, we have zero operations and sales in Jakarta. Everything is done in the eastern part of Indonesia. Got you. So I understand we're talking about tiers two, three, and rural areas. Can you give us our total addressable market numbers? In other words, why should we be paying attention to Indonesia's second and third tier cities and rural markets? I would like to explain this from two angles. The first is the sector that we are choosing. Super started by choosing FMCG products. The second and third tier cities and Indonesia rural areas account for 120 billion USD plus. It's a huge market. And at Super, we are very ambitious. We're going to add more SKUs based on the data that we've got. And we're going to add SKUs such as cosmetics, fashion, and more later on and in future that would enlarge our total addressable market that is more than 200 billion USD. The second angle is that the first wave of startups that now are unicorns or decacorns came from the western side of Indonesia or mainly Jakarta metropolitan city. And Jakarta metropolitan city has a huge GDP, like 200 billion USD plus, and can produce companies from the western side. Now we're in East Java. It is smaller than Jabodetabek, but our GDP is still 166 billion USD. If we do a simple math and add one or more province in the eastern part of Indonesia, for example, South Sulawesi, it's going to add another 40 billion and it's going to be equal to Jakarta. If we could take 2 to 5% of the total addressable market, we'll become a very meaningful business that came from the eastern part of Indonesia. Great. So I understand your focus on Eastern Indonesia as a core focus. Now, let's get more specific. Why would, for instance, a Unilever want to sell into the super network versus, say, into a platform that focuses more on first-tier markets? Sure. In fact, one of the hottest products that's been sold in the platform came from the local product. Super mainly helped the underdog FMCG rising star player that came from the rural market. And we are trying to help to improve their sales. Why do they want to work with us? Because they have limited distribution channel due to the limited resources that they have. So that's why they want to work with us. But then we also do work with the bigger players like Unilever. Why do they want to work with us? They have this limited distribution channel in the sense of it's really hard and complicated for them to search this smaller market in the eastern part of Indonesia because their big truck would be hard to pass the smaller road to reach certain villages. Now they really need to work with us because we have this hyper-local infrastructure that would help them to distribute all of their products to Indonesian villages in the eastern part of Indonesia. That explains a lot. Now, Stephen, part of Super's value proposition is to collapse Indonesia's famously inefficient supply chains. 
again, particularly in second and third tier cities and in rural markets, aren't basically all distributors, traders, and wholesalers therefore resistant to what we're doing and somewhat threatened by what Super is attempting? Since day one, we work closely with the principal. So we do really need to understand what is their main problem before actually executing to the market. At Super, we do not equate someone else in the supply chain outside that supply chain because someone will get mad. So we do optimize the supply chain, meaning that all of these bigger players, such as distributors, traders, and wholesalers, usually exist in the bigger tier cities. And this is their main market. This is not our main market. Our coverage is the Indonesian rural areas. Therefore, we optimize through these rural areas by also working closely with the principal and asking them which area that they haven't tapped or are untappable for them because of the challenge of Indonesia's infrastructure. So we do work closely with them. They also do give us some price guidelines. So we do our best to abide the price rules as best as we could. So in this approach, they're more friendly with us and they want to work closely with us. So, so far, we've been maintaining a great friendship and relationship with them. Understood. Okay, so it's not a zero-sum game. And a lot of our heat map is complementary to their current service regions. Well, Stephen, can you quantify through a couple examples how much cost we remove by streamlining the supply chain? Now, in the outskirts of East Jaffa, we could get around 10 to 15% of the price that we sold to the end consumers, from the agents to the end consumers, compared to the delta price of the nearest store. But then now we're expanding to the other islands of Indonesia. We're going to launch our services, I think, in the next two weeks the delta of the price is even more. This, this outskirt of cities, for example, in South Sulawesi, the price discrepancies could reach more than 50%. So these are the loopholes that we're trying to optimize while we can be a sustainable business in the middle and make a win-win and everyone happy as well because the price is going to be more affordable for the villagers. At the same time, the suppliers will get more orders. Understood. So Stephen, what are our growth targets for 2021 and 2022 in terms of GMV and other metrics? So right now we are in one province, which is East Java. The goal in the next 12 months is to go after one more province in the eastern part of Indonesia. We want to prove that the playbook that we've been working with in East Java will work in this province. Furthermore, we also want to give a meaningful fight in these two provinces instead of just build a narrative that we're going to cover the whole Indonesia. In terms of another metrics, we're trying to maintain at least 3x year-on-year growth. Understood. Well, that's some pretty fast-paced growth. So, Stephen, just going on to something different, I'd be curious to know, what are the best-selling categories on the Super Platform? Sure. It's ranging from tea, any tea product, Coffee, there are several types of coffee as well, as well as milk. So those are the three biggest products sold on our platform throughout the years. And is that powdered milk or are you working with fresh products? It is a powder milk. Gotcha. Stephen, what are the top two or three metrics that we're trying to optimize for? Is it GMV per reseller? Is it number of SKUs available on the super platform? What is it? There are three important metrics that we monitor month to month. Because at first, we do want to make sure 
that we don't build a leaky bucket business. These three metrics are our agents cohort, basically calculating or measuring agent retention per month. We break down the monthly cohort. Second is order cohort. How much these agents would order after they've been joining for the first month. Of course, it has to grow. The third one is the GMP cohort, whether the wallet share has been increasing or not. These are the key three metrics, the heart of super. You can see whether the plane is going up or going down. Gotcha. Now, in addition to bank transfer, COD seems to be a very common means of payment in this area of e-commerce. Why is that, Stephen? Is there scope also to develop online payments and other alternatives, or is COD likely to be the way of the future? I think it has to be done step by step. As we all know, the credit card penetration in Indonesia is only 5%. On the top of that, the e-commerce penetration as well for the online payment is around that. Therefore, I feel that the COD is the way for us to crack the market for this financial system. But later on, once we get that trust, we can work with local banks to bank our agents that have been trusting to put their money in the bank. Second of all, there are several like various impact players coming to tier two, tier three cities and rural. Instead of us building another fintech feature inside our app, we do want to partner with them and they'll take care of our hassle. And we like partnering up to build the ecosystem together going onward. Understood. Well, Stephen, how do you balance growth versus profitability? Are we a growth at all costs and profitability much later type of company? Or is margin important to us? We do maintain balance within the group. As a startup, we need to realize that we need to grow fast. But at Super, we do it step by step. It means that, as I mentioned before, there are three cohorts that we've tracked. And the healthy number that's been part of the dashboard target that we try to achieve per month. We also do want to make sure that each of these agents would increase their commissions as well as revenue to themselves to be at least near the minimum wage of the area that they are living. Therefore, they'll be stickier to us and they will actually work much harder in the end. So before we are expanding to the newer area, we will usually like see this number instead of just grow at all costs and optimizing in the end. We've seen several cases where this approach wouldn't be so fruitful and end up good. So we're trying to do it step by step and remaining cautious, but still growing fast. Now, Stephen, what have been the most surprising behaviors that you've seen on the Super platform? This is funny, in a way. In the early day of Super, tracking Asian cohort, order cohort, and GMP cohort quite consistently, we found certain cohort went down pretty bad at the third month. But later on, this number could pick up again. We thought that this is competition, but we are aware that we are the only one that doing social commerce in this area. So we did some survey and found that some of these agents, once they got a lot of money, they'll take holiday. They'll go spend their money to buy a new motorcycle, those things until their money is out. In the end, once the money is out, they come back to super. So this surprising fact allows us to launch Sedulur Super Program or in English, Super Family Program. We are as super, we also have responsibility to make their quality of life better by educating them to manage money. So if they got a lot of money, it's good. They can purchase something for their leisure. 
but they need to remember that they still have kids that they need to nurture and grow. And finally, they need to save some money for that kids to go to college someday. Wow, an excellent initiative to foster financial literacy and financial responsibility. I wasn't aware that you guys were involved in that. Now, Stephen, when we last spoke, you made the distinction between FMCG or fast moving consumer good brands that are sold through the super platform and white label. How are these different? And what is our likely mix between branded FMCG and white label by, let's say, next year? We're trying to grow our white labeling product to be like 5 to 10% out of our revenue mix. Long term, we have two expansion plans. One is the vertical expansion. Second is horizontal expansion. For vertical expansion, social commerce is just the way for us to enter the market. But in the next 10 years, we would like to become the Walmart of Indonesia without having a retail store presence and having a very efficient of marketing. Like Walmart in the U.S., one of the profit generators is the white labeling department. We do now also have that white labeling department. We name it Super Eats. They do also have the middleman. Those are the warehouses, whereas they will distribute all of their goods to the retail, which is the Walmart itself. We do also have those things. Our middle mile is those warehouses and hubs that we locate near the villages that we cover. And our retail is basically our super agents. But in the long run, we would like to do the horizontal expansions by working with the third-party P2P lending, transport users, digital goods providers, and so on. But we wouldn't take the principal risk. Instead, we're going to cover every single profit that they're going to make through our platform. Some very interesting dimensions of diversification that you have in mind. Now, Stephen, onboarding sellers is very costly for a lot of platforms. We, meanwhile, talk about acquiring resellers very cost-effectively. Can you explain this advantage in greater detail? The most beautiful thing about social commerce, we would be able to utilize the social capital to stimulate the virality. Therefore, it could reduce your cap. Two of the greatest initiatives that we've had at Super, and it's been done so well for us to do an expansion in the market. That is first. We do offline mini roadshow, where we do have the acquisitions team that we employ villagers to work directly with us. Therefore, we have the warmer approach to go after small villages in the eastern part of Indonesia. And out of this mini offline roadshow, some of those folks will join us. Second program is we do finders fee program, like a referral program. Agents who refer will get the bonus. So these are two of the best acquisition strategies on our platform. Thanks for clarifying that. Now, Stephen, we talk about being quote unquote hyper local in our supply chain, in describing our resellers, and even our white label products. What exactly do we mean by hyper local? Super has one of the most powerful big data able to record some of the eastern part of province with multi millions USD in transactions per month. We would be able to understand what are the demand of this area and launch the hyperlocal products accordingly. So it would be more targeted, the business would grow much faster, and the end users will get the things that they want to get. Now we're talking about the reseller side. As what I've mentioned before, we have villagers directly work in our acquisitions team. And these villagers came from their village directly, means that they will talk with the same language and dialect. And they can use their trust to stimulate transactions and to stimulate community leaders to be part of the platform. So for example, in the next two weeks, 
our subpieces going to be in one of the island of Indonesia in the eastern part. We wouldn't send the East Java team to go to the eastern part of Indonesia. We're going to come there and build the local team to be able to build another community of group buying over there instead of basically exporting all of the East Java team to be there. Business could grow much faster. Stephen, just a little more color to the super experience. Can you profile the quote-unquote average agent on the super network by gender, by age range, by interests, and other activities? So our agents mainly are female in the range of age 25 and 34. They are one of these many influencers in their neighborhoods. So these are the people that we have because somewhat we can use and utilize their social capital. The rest of community will put so much trust on this individual and we can sell our product throughout this community leader. Stephen, really enlightening to hear of the many innovative means by which Super is successfully addressing these unique challenges that doing e-commerce in Indonesia presents. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Alan, for having me and have a good week ahead. <laughs> Likewise. We hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Indo Techno podcast with us. Terima kasih telah menonton. Sampai jumpa lagi.